12-month stay, drive-to, week-long stays. And when you acquire a property, make sure that you have the amenities people want. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is going on, E? My brother, life is good, man. Life is good. We have a hurricane maybe coming, but I mean, it's not a summer if it's not a hurricane, right? So I just thought since whole 2020 has been pretty fun already, I thought the universe would kind of hold off a hurricane, but I guess that's not how life works right now. But I mean, we're blessed, you know, as always. Yep, absolutely. I already have popcorn and all my snacks already here. So I'm like, Good hurricane party, hurricane party coming up. You know what I mean? Like, what else are we supposed to do? How are nice, you guys? Man. I guess We're that's good. not a problem for you up there. Nope, nope. Things are, things are going good. Sunny and 85, just trying to replicate, you know, what you guys got year round in Florida. And uh, feeling pretty good right now. We're adding a couple more uh, short-term rentals to the portfolio in about a week. Um, Hotel's going good. We're looking at another uh, couple different boutique inns uh, over the next couple of weeks too. So things are things are rolling, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm very curious to see how that market kind of plays out because we've been getting, I've been getting a lot of uh, listing notifications, small mom and pop kind of places, um, because people down down in Broward especially are are kind of starting to hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Also, restaurants. They've been getting a lot of restaurants that have been coming up for sale, like the small mom and pop, like pizza places, and they had no business making pizza anyways, in my personal opinion. So like then now they're just they don't have the quality product, so they're just going out of business, you know. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about what the future has to hold with our guest today, who I'm super excited to have on. Uh, this gentleman has been, you know, a friend and and mentor of mine for probably close to four years now. And, you know, was one of the reasons why I got into this business. You know, he was kind of one of the OGs of, of vacation rentals and short-term rentals going back, you know, 10 years now at this point. And, um, you know, I just, I love what he's built. I love, you know, the way that he prioritizes his life and, you know, the, the dynamic relationships that he has with his family and just how he's, you know, we had Matty A on last week and he talked about, you know, people say you can't have it all. And he's like, I refuse to believe that. And I feel like Len is somebody that has created all those different components from success in business to financially, to the relationships in his personal life. And he's just having fun doing it. And I'm super excited to have him on. So welcome to the show, Len Giancola. Gentlemen, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it very much. And uh, looking forward to uh, shooting the breeze with both of you. Yeah, yeah likewise, yeah. man. I, I remember my very first memory of meeting you in person was GoBundas Whistler event, you mic dropping that <laughs> microphone in front of everybody. And then just kind of everybody just kind of being like, oh, shit, like what just happened? 
I'm like, okay, he's pretty, he's pretty chill. He's pretty free. You know what I mean? In the way that he lives his life. I'm like, this is going to be a fun weekend. And it was, it was great. So I'm really stoked. And um, what I love about Len is, is he's one of my people, right? Like he's been here for a long time, but he's Italian at heart. And, and his family outshows me all the time with like their pastas and everybody cooks. And it's just such a good family dynamic that I'm just like the proud Italian. I'm like, awesome. We start having my people on the show which is which is great um so len why don't you kind of walk us through what your life has been like you know what i mean like you're you have a green screen but i know the view from your life kind of looks very much like that in the bubble right in real <laughs> life you call it the bubble yeah it's true we call it the bubble because we are somewhat insulated from the real world but uh you know it took me a lot of years to bust in my ass to get to this spot and, I, and I'm proud of it. So we do make a joke about it. But uh, it, it is true. We are insulated. And I try to show my family, my kids, you know, I, you guys know, I have two teenage daughters who are now 19 and 15. And I try to show them the finer things in life, because I want them to blow away my life. I don't want them to have to start from zero. I want them to start where they see that success and hard work um, can lead to fruitful endeavors. And they've seen that from the beginning. So we never, you know, money was never a taboo subject in our, in our household. We always spoke about our investments, our businesses at the dinner table, even when the kids were young. And my wife and I always made a point to do that because we both grew up and that wasn't the case. You know, money was never spoke about. I never knew how much my parents made or how much, what investments they had or how much a house cost. I didn't know any of that stuff. And I learned that later in life. And I wanted my children or our children to have that advantage of having those conversations so they're not uncomfortable as they get older. And, and we've created an amazing life together. You know, the four of us are like best friends. And especially in a crazy year, like, you know, we're recording this in summer of 2020. And, and it's a, been an amazingly weird year, obviously, for everyone. And it was a time where this quarantine for four months has not really affected our relationship. It's only strengthened it. And we've had a good time for the most part. Yeah, we miss certain things, but we've had a good time. We enjoy being around each other and, and we've created a special life. And a lot of that started with vacation rentals and, and jumping in that business a decade ago. So happy to uh, go through whatever you'd like to go through. Yeah, for sure. So a lot of people would say like what you did to get into real estate in general was nuts because you were crushing it on Wall Street for years, but you were, you, you were trapped right? Like it was, it was kind of this, this rat race thing. So kind of walk us through the decision of going from, you know, the, the quote unquote successful Wall Street to career to saying, I've had it. I'm out of here. We're going to Florida. I'm going to figure something out and I want to take back control of, of my life. Yeah. So it was a combination of things. It was a combination of, yes, I was doing very well on Wall Street and I knew how much they were paying me a lot of money, but I knew how much I was making the company. And selfishly, I wanted a lion's share of that for myself. So I realized that being an employee, and while I had a great time, don't get me wrong, I had a wonderful time. I had an awesome job, awesome friends. Um, I wanted something more for me and my family. And I didn't want to be that guy trapped on a trading desk or a cubicle till I'm 65 and hope I'm healthy and uh, healthy enough to enjoy life then. I wanted to enjoy it now. Um, then there was the combination of going through 9-11 firsthand and one of my best friends on Wall Street was 32 years old and just dropped out of a heart attack. So those, that combination of those three things made me really analyze life and realize that this doesn't go on forever. And you might as well try and make the most of it and do something special instead of following what everyone else does. You know what I mean? You've heard me on other podcasts, I'm sure. You know, 
get a college degree, get your job, save for your 401k and then retire and hope you have a good time then. So I want to do the opposite of that. So I retired from Wall Street, if you will, retired in quotes at 33. And I became, you know, I reinvented myself and I became a serial entrepreneur, developer, investor, whatever you want to call it over the last 17 years now. Um, God, I'm getting old. Uh, and, and basically just, you know, tried to have a special life that most people don't do. They don't take that chance. And I'm not afraid to take a chance, you know, and, and I'm sure we'll get into what I'm currently up to. And, and, you know, I take chances on things because I'm not afraid for it to not work out and to have to start over because I know I can do it. I've succeeded at so many different things that I'm not afraid to take a shot, even if it doesn't work out. So when I started in vacation rentals, since that's the topic of this podcast, nobody knew what vacation rentals were. You know, I even joined some mastermind groups and they laughed at me like, you know, you can't make money in vacation rentals. Nobody does that, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, I saw the light because I was in a unique area in Northeast Florida where I saw that it is a no brainer. And then I built a business and I, and I took a shot at things when people said no. And I'm, you know, doing the same thing in my latest venture in, in legal marijuana slash cannabis. Uh, right now. So I, I'm not afraid to take chances. And I think that's what you were getting at with your question, but I'm just not afraid to take chances where 99.9% are. Mm. And I think yeah. what's, what's awesome about that is that life is so cyclical that it continues to present this kind of chance, right? Because I feel right now, it's a very similar chance to what happened 9-11, right? Like 9-11 was a moment for people to be like, holy shit, this life is so fragile what should I do with it? And I think people respond one or two ways. They either get scared and do even less afterwards, or they have this come to Jesus moment that you kind of had. You're like, you know what, man? Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it and see what happens. And, and then once you have the proof of concept, right? And this is similar to what we spoke about last week with Maddie. All you need in life is a proof of concept. Like once you have that proof of concept in yourself that you're like, I made it, then that kind of trickles into everything else. And you're like, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want and create it. Because anyways, at the end of the day, me, Len, got me. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm never going to fail because I got myself. Plus you have such a strong support system with your family that you're like, let's go. You know, yeah, so that's such you, a powerful. Just, <clears throat> excuse me. You just hit on something that people don't realize. So when I was just started on Wall Street and I was making $21,000 a year, my effort level was the same as when I was running a 22-person trading desk and making seven figures a year. It was the same effort level. It was just doing it on a bigger scale. So when mm -hmm. I started with you know, building homes, the first year I did two. Then I got up to 12 to 15 a year. It was the same effort level. It's just doing more of the same. When I... Um, started vacation rentals and I only had five properties under management, it was the same effort level as when I had 100. You know what I mean? It was the same. It's just scaling with more people and more resources, but it's the same effort level. And people are afraid of getting bigger. And I was even afraid of going too bigger. That's why I went from like think bigger to think biggest, right? So it's the same <laughs> with now I'm building multi, multi, multi-million dollar online platforms. It's the same effort level, whether I have one follower or three million followers, it's the same effort. They get scared of big, they get scared of going wide and they wanna focus on something really narrow and sometimes that's good advice, but if you wanna do something special, narrow's not it. You have to go wide, especially when everything, you know, this device, uh, if, you're, if you're not watching and listening, I'm holding up my phone, everything is done from that device now. 
So that means that I don't have to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a client. I can have a one-on-a-million relationship now. And that's what people need to realize. They don't need to be in a cubicle and have a one, sell one insurance policy to one person. Now you can sell whatever you're selling to millions of people with one press of a button. It's the same effort level. So mm -hmm. anyway, that, that's what I kind of realized before a lot of people in different industries. And I'm trying to take advantage of that now. I love yeah. that. So take us back. So kind of that progression, right? Because a lot of folks that listen to this podcast are at different stages. Some of them are just thinking about getting into short-term rentals. Some of them have 5, 10, 20, 50, 100 units. So when you, when you started out, you know, what was the first property? And then how did you scale to like managing 100 units to, to that point, right? Like what did that process look, for, look like for you? How are you generating leads? How are you scaling and really creating that system? Yep. So here's the crazy thing. I built my business without putting $1 into it. And here's how, which is really a funny story. So basically I had, as a builder, I had model homes. So I always had one model home because that was where I would meet. I never had an office. That's where I would bring clients, show them our work. And hopefully they did a custom build with me, you know, and I signed them to a contract to build on their land or hooked them up with land because I had the real estate company as well. So what I did was while I had a model, I saw that there was this 800 pound gorilla that was doing vacation rentals in the area and it was new to everybody, including me. And I said, you know what? Let me throw the model in the vacation rental program he has and learn it for a year. Let me see what he does. How do his statements look? How does he book people? What does his staff look like? And I learned it over a year. And then I took it out of his program and said, I can start this. I can just do this myself in this area. So what I did was I contacted one person that I knew that was a second home and I said, hey, have you ever thought about vacation rentals, blah, blah, blah. They said, okay, let me, I'll, I'll give you a shot. The first day I put it online, I got a booking for $5,000 booking, but for six months later, the booking wasn't for six months, right? So I didn't have to pay the owner until the stay occurred. I took the $5,000 and I built a website and I built a website to scale basically more properties. And once I had the website up, then I sent them a mailer to everybody in the community. And all of a sudden I got five properties. Then the five led to 10 and the 10 led to 20. All of a sudden we got up to 80 to hundred. I don't remember the top number we were at somewhere in that range. And it just built on itself. So I never spent the dollar. I used that deposit money that somebody put for a six month booking to build a website. And then, you know, I got the money back, obviously paid everybody out correctly. But um, that's how it actually started. And then people, it was just word of mouth. I love that. Yeah. And I, I tell a lot of my students this, I'm like, all you need to do is get really good results for like one or two people. Because guess what? They, if they're in real estate, they have friends that are in real estate and they're either going to buy more property or they're going to tell all their friends. And we blew up our portfolio purely through referrals like that. Like if you get good results for somebody and your work is good, you're going to grow organically. Now for, for you, I'd imagine kind of that system evolved, right? So whether it's when you hit five or 10 or 15 units, wh what kind of system did you put in place? So obviously you're not going over and do the cleanings and the bookings and everything else. So like, what did that kind of evolve into for you over time? Yep. So we had a head of sales, a head of housekeeping and a head of maintenance. And basically they would contract people under them as needed. Um, so all I had to worry about is those three people reported to me. I didn't really care who they had working for them under them. All I know is it kind of kicked up to us and we made sure that the client relations, you know, when a client had an issue, meaning a homeowner had an issue of, of property we managed, they would come to me 
as the owner, they wouldn't even, they'd bypass the middle people. So I would handle that. I would coddle them, make sure everything was okay. If there was an issue, blah, blah, blah. But any guest issues went to those three people. So I didn't have to deal with that. So it was pretty, it wasn't like I had to spend a lot of time on it. I put the systems in place. I gave them their responsibility. We had monthly meetings with those, with our heads of divisions, if you will. I mean, division is probably too big a word for a small company like that. But um, we had those meetings. We, we mentored them on how to be better at their job. And then they kind of ran it. They, those, those people all ran the business for us and we just oversaw it, made sure that the numbers were correct. We would adjust rates depending on supply and demand, you know, per season. Uh, down here in Florida, it is a 12-month season, but, you know, it, it kind of went from snowbird season to peak weeks, like the Daytona 500 is a big deal where we are. So in February, you had that peak week, then wherever Easter fell and spring break, then a couple of slower months and then boom, the summer's packed. Then the fall's a little slower, but we had bike week. So there was different things in Florida that maybe all your listeners don't have the same ebb and flow of the 12 months. Maybe some of you guys are seasonal, especially you maybe, you know, up in, uh, in the north there, Mike. Um, so we had a unique, uh, really cool niche right on an oceanfront, double-gated beach community with amenities. So it was just a really cool place. And we only stayed in that area and we never expanded, never wanted to. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that, is evident to me is and it's something we talk about often is that one of the gifts in life is when you gain expertise somewhere else then you kind of keep them with you in your tool belt and apply them wherever you want right so even the way you refer to your team you can tell that you had your wall street past that you're like i have my division people they refer to me i deal with the high ticket part of it which is the actual client relation and then i'm free to leverage out everything else which is what we tell all the time to people is like this business, it's literally you get the freedom that you're able to leverage out to other people, right? So with those three people, all you do is you have a dinner, a couple of nice drinks with somebody. You're like, let me rent your house for you. I'll put you in touch with my team. We'll run it. And then literally that's all that you land do as an operator of that business. You just lead generating. And then you just plug it into the system and you just let the system run. And that's how you gain freedom, right? Um, and I remember about you, I think it was uh, One Life maybe, that you were speaking in One Life, and you gave the example of being an octopus. And that has kind of come out in this conversation too, because as if you're paying attention to what Lenny's saying, is you can tell that he had a bunch of vertically integrated businesses that all kind of fed into one thing, right? Like it's like, I can help them. I have a real estate team. I have a real estate company. We can build their places, right? So where did that idea come from, Len? Like, where did the octopus? And I don't know if maybe you've changed analogy by now because this was a couple of years ago. But where uh, did that octopus kind of mentality came in? Yeah, I understand. And the reason that happened was because at first we started building homes. And then I saw that in order for a person to build a home with me, they needed to acquire a vacant piece of land. And then I saw that in the area we were in, a lot of those people built only second homes. They weren't staying in it full time. So I said, okay, they're going to a realtor. A realtor's coming to me and I have to give that realtor a you know, referral fee for bringing me this client. And I said, and then they were going to go rent through that other vacation rental company. So I said, wait a second. I said, why don't I just create, why do I only want to have one income stream with this client? Mr. Joe Smith comes to me and I build a house. My transaction's over. I never have another income stream from that guy, right? I only built this house and that's it. So I said, wait, 
I started my own real estate company, so I will now find the land, I'll get the commission on that, then I'll build, I'll make the money on that, and then I started the vacation rental company and I will make recurring revenue on that. So we were the only company in the state of Florida at that time to have retail real estate, custom home building, and long and short-term property management under one roof uh, at that time. Nobody was doing that, you know, in the early 10s, if you will. Um, so that was a great revolving door of revenue and leads. And like you said, like Mike said earlier, once somebody says they have a good experience with you in that journey, now they tell their friends. And I never spent a dollar in marketing in my entire career. I've never spent a dollar in marketing during any of that. It was all word of mouth. It was all becoming the, um, the different uh, business operator down here. Down, you know, I come from New York. Obviously, I talk fast, walk fast, all that stuff. Down in the South, everything's a lot slower. So there was old Billy Bob Builder and Billy Joe Builder and all the Southern good old boys, and they do a good job, but they were a little slower. And I came and I was fast and I did everything fast. And people, most of the people buying down here were not local Southern people. They were transplants from the Northeast, Midwest or whatever. And they liked that. And that's how we, you know, started gaining um, market share in all of those businesses. And then over the, you know, over the decade, I built them up and then I sold one after the other. And I sold all three of them in the last, you know, four to six years. I have four years actually. So one thing mm -hmm. that I, I want to clarify because you've gone through it and it was interesting because I had some folks come to me when I was building out this business and they were like, yeah, but you don't own the real estate. You're not building any equity. And I was like, well, you don't understand how businesses work. I'm like, if you build a business with the right systems, guess what? You can sell the business. And you went through that whole process in the vacation rental, short-term rental industry where you got to the point where you sold your business, right? So what did that, we don't need to get into numbers or anything, but what did that kind of process look like? Like how do, how does somebody value a short-term rental company? Is yeah, there like it, a formula, like a multiplier? Well, people like to pretend there are. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, I, I hate, that's why I don't like pro formas. I don't like uh, all those things because there is no rhyme or reason to going forward. It's what someone's willing to pay at that moment for whatever you're selling. Right. Mm -hmm. So even just like uh, when you're renting a house for a week, is there a set rate? No, it's whatever someone wants to pay for that week. And, you know, if you, if you don't have it booked and someone offers you 2000, but you want a 3000, you're taking the 2000 last minute. You know what I mean? It's just going to it's going to happen. Right. So that's the, that's the rate for that week. So with selling a business, it was the same thing. So I sold my real estate company for X amount based on what someone wanted to pay and based on my willingness to sell. So I always had a reason to sell these businesses. I sold them based on, do I have another opportunity that can make me more than this business? So I need to just take some cash in and unload it from my mind so I can focus on the new opportunity. And that's what I did with each one. I basically have, you know, you could call it ADD or whatever you want, but I, I get bored quick and I don't have a long lifespan. I'm not a 30 year business guy. I am a few years, build it, get out, go to the next one. So did that with real estate, sold that for not very much money, but still made money on it and made money during it. Then on the vacation rental company, obviously that was more lucrative. So we had three national companies come in and they tried to go with the pro forma and here's the multiple that we're getting in Tennessee and this is the multiple that you should get there. And I went, no, the price is what other people are willing to pay. So here's my three offers. Whoever comes in with the best number, I'll consider it. And I really am not even sure I'm going to sell. I just want to see what it's worth and what you're going to offer. And if it's lucrative, I'll sell it. Mm -hmm. Well, we had three offers and then somebody that was kind of in our business came up and blew them away by like 40% uh, with an offer because 
he was local and kind of knew more than the national company of what, what this can uh, do for him. So I sold it to him. And the only reason I sold it, not because I didn't like it, but I thought it had kind of peaked in the area and it was getting a little more saturation of vacation rentals. And I wasn't sure that a small company would be able to book out like we were with a certain amount of properties. There's a law of diminishing returns. If we went from 85 to 125 properties in that small area, we're not going to perform as well. And I knew that we peaked, right? So I said, all right, let me sell the peak. Number two, I now had new opportunities of platforms in the, you know, cannabis and online stuff I was doing. So I'm taking a shot that, okay, let me take that capital, roll it into other things, other investments. So I did take the sale. I got a premium to compared to what the pro formas were offering based on their analytics. And, and I took it and I'm taking a shot at something bigger. If it doesn't work, guess what? I'll go back and do vacation rentals in two years if I was really shit out of luck, but I doubt that's going to happen. But you know, I can if I want, right? So, yep. yeah. And I think you said that you kept a couple of your properties that performed really well just to have. Yes. Yeah. So I have, you know, I can go through some of those numbers. So remember, I had an advantage that other people didn't have. I was building the homes it cost, right? Yes. So I built my first beach home and I'll give you the exact numbers. Basically, it costs $475,000 land, house, pool, furnishings. And I paid cash for it, but I got a whole bunch of stuff at cost. Like, in other words, that house would normally be seven or $800,000 if you built it retail off the street with a builder, right? So I just did it at cost. I got a bunch of freebies from the suppliers because I gave them so much business building homes over the year. Um, I then took a cash out refi for $500,000. So now I have no skin in the game. I actually got an extra $25,000 and it was making over $100,000 a year, right? So this was in, I think I finished that in 16. So now this is probably my fourth or fifth year of renting it. And every year it's made 100 to 100. I think 127,000 was our peak uh, rental year. This year, obviously going to be less because we were shut down for a few months. Um, but now my carry cost for the whole thing is maybe 35 or 40,000 a year. So, you know, I still net, what, 60 to $80,000 or whatever it is. Um, it's free money. I don't have any skin in the game. I already took the skin out. You know what I mean? So I don't have any, it's just infinity returns. So something like that, I'll keep, you know, probably forever unless someone blows my socks off. Um, we just completed an awesome oceanfront, six bedroom, 5,000 square feet right on the ocean, which is actually the view you see on the screen right here. And that one, um, we just got the CO you know, on like June 10th. And from June 11th to August 15th, it's booked solid. Um, so we booked it immediately, which is great. Uh, obviously, this is a crazy year, but we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, but that's, that's a home run as well. The one thing, and I was telling you off air, Mike, the one thing was for some reason I got in my gut at the end of 2019 that this election year was going to be crazy. I didn't foresee riots and viruses, of course, but I thought it was going to be crazy for some reason because of the hatred between the political parties. And I knew something crazy was going to be systematically planned or whatever you want to call it. So I sold, I think, six of my eight properties and I kept the two I just described. Um, because I think that there's a really strong possibility that I'll be able to buy similar properties back or build another one next year for pennies on the dollar. So that's, that's what I'm going for there. And, and I have other investment opportunities that have a higher return during this pandemic that I can take advantage of. So I wanted to use that capital for that. And I know you mentioned, and uh, I think you posted an M1, somebody asked me a question about short-term rentals and then you threw in your two cents, which I thought was 
genius around, if you really think about the future of short-term rentals and the psychology of no matter what is going on, do you remember that post where you kind of described like why short-term rentals will all, certain types of short-term rentals will always have a competitive advantage over hotels, over anything. You want to talk about that real quick? Because I thought that that was very, such a solid point if you understand human psychology. Yes. And it happened in 08. It happened in 08 and that, you know, to 12, whatever, 10 to 12, whatever you want to call it. So that's why I saw it. And I know it's going to happen again during this. And here's what happens. During a recession, during a crash, during a depression, during a pandemic, whatever you want to call it, families get depressed and there's only one thing that they can do that dad, let's just call it dad's the working guy, right? Let's, that dad can do to give a lollipop to his kids and that's a vacation. Now, you cannot fly anywhere. You cannot go abroad, right? So you, basically, it's to drive to scenario. Where can mom and dad drive to? Well, you know what? They can drive to Disney World because that's open again or they can drive to the beach. And people don't want to stay in hotels, right? So now we're combining the, I want to give my kids a lollipop. And the only way I'm going to do that is with the vacation because for that week, I can make the family feel like everything's normal again. I could take them and make them all feel good and we can bond as a family and I'll spend that money because I get my three weeks vacation and I'm going to take my family on vacation. That's what happened in the last crash. I saw it. I saw it firsthand. Disney World was packed down here in Florida. Our beach homes were packed. People didn't give a shit. They spend the money on vacation even when they don't have any money. They do it. That's their first thing they want to do because they want to make themselves feel better. Now you're combining the virus and the pandemic and people not traveling abroad and they don't want to stay in hotels because a hotel's a petri dish of who the hell knows what. So they are going to go stay in a private home. They all have new regulations that they have to disinfect these homes every week on every turn. They are clean. I actually just stayed in one a couple of weeks ago in South Carolina, the biggest hot spot besides Florida, I think, in the country. And it was great. Nobody got sick. Um, and they're going to stay that because you feel like you're in a home and you're insulated. Right. And now you're combining the lollipop theory I just described with the cleanliness and not being around other people scenario. And that's why I think private single family vacation homes will be the first to rebound. They already have. It's already proven. Um, they'll be the only ones to not lose during this scenario. Hotels are getting crushed. Airlines are getting crushed. Commercial real estate's getting crushed. Multifamily hasn't even happened. That'll be a delay where people won't start paying. Multifamilies will get crushed. Vacation rentals will not. Mm. love it love it i love it and to me what's amazing about land that always gets my wheels turning is really that um what jeff hoffman talks about right it's just like multi multiverse like the more you know about different things between psychology and economy and the macroeconomics and the microeconomics the bigger you can think and understand the humans are humans right like we're all going to behave in a certain way so if you can start understanding the humanity behind economics, the humanity behind the decision-making of people, you get to see patterns that people don't see, right? And then the more you know, the more patterns you see and then experience, right? Like Len already knows, oh, wait, this happens. So instead of freaking out right now, he's like counting his money. He's like, ah, it's coming. Like, it's coming. Like, I can smell it, right? And then you don't freak out. Like, you don't worry about it because one is what you said earlier, right? That, that deep confidence in your own personal abilities. But two is like, you have experience. 
So yeah, I, I, I lost you for like three seconds. Just repeat that last sentence. Yeah, I was saying the one is the confidence in your own abilities because you've done it so many times in so many different ways. And two is just history, history repeating itself. So you remember what you remember from the last time. So you're like, this is no problem. This happens Correct. every eight years, 10 years, 12 years. Correct. And, and, and the large majority of people, their behavior stays the same during those peaks, right? So we had one with, let's call it the 9-11, early 2000s and the internet crash. You guys are too young for that. But that happened then. Then it happened in 08. And now it's happening again. And it's the same behavioral patterns by people. Most people are afraid and they just stay in one spot. Like if you, if you took a poll right now, right? Everyone's been in the house for, you know, largely in the house, let's say, for the last four months now as we're recording this. I bet you over 95% of people have not learned a new skill or, or taken advantage of the downtime to add a tool to their tool belt. I guarantee it might be even 99%. Who the heck knows? But I made sure that I took several skills that I honed. You know, one of them is learning to speak Italian, Emmanuel. You know, one of the, well, that's one of them. One of them is, you know, learning, uh, being better at shooting guns. One of them is creating other income streams from things I didn't do in the previous years. And I did that successfully. One of them was spending time day trading when I never had time to do that. You know what I mean? And I've created income streams. I've created skills. I've created confidence. And, and I've taken that time to do that while still running my businesses. So there's no excuse for anybody else. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I have a family that I have to support. I have a family that I'm mentoring, two teenage daughters. I have multiple businesses. I'm on 30 different corporation boards. And I still were able to take the time and learn those skills because I busted my ass over these years to have enough freedom to do that and enough confidence to do it. Even if some of those things never lead to anything, so what? I still learn something and I take a shot at something. And, and I can't stress that enough. This is another little mic drop moment. If we had like the I do, whistler. Okay. Moment, I, I do have a mic. You want me to yeah, you want. <laughs> <laughs> but but so, that's, that's where the rich get richer, right? Like that's the whole concept is like spending time growing yourself. And even, even to me, what's really important also at the beginning when you said like how you got in it, there is no shame if you don't know what you're doing to just let somebody else do it and then pay attention and then see, okay, is this something that is, is in line with the skills that I already have? And if it is, can I then take it back and do it myself or put a person in place that can do it for me and it becomes part of my businesses, right? And that's all, to me, that's all that like success is, is seeing this is in line, this is in, on my highway, I can do this well, I'm gonna add a lane and just let it run. Correct. Absolutely. So Len, can we, I, I want to transition a little bit and talk about, you know, the, your latest venture, which is probably been what, like going on year and a half, two years? Uh, yes, pretty much. Yeah. About, about two years. So what uh, I know, cause we've talked offline, but kind of explain like how you got into it, why you got into the, the whole legalized marijuana, cannabis, whatever the proper name is. I apologize. I'm ignorant to the subject, <laughs> but you know, a lot of people say, and I can totally understand why that this is like the once in a lifetime gold rush, like, right. Like prohibition all over again, just in a different space. Yes. So I, you know, you know, Pete Cook, I believe probably, I don't yeah. know if you ever met him, but you know him from Facebook. He's one of my best friends. Uh, he had an opportunity to acquire some premium domains in this space and we did that 
And right now we're concentrating on MJ.com. I don't know if you can see, I think I see my shirt. I think I have an MJ on there. I do. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> MJ.com having a two letter domain of an organic term for you guys who aren't familiar, MJ short for marijuana. There's a whole bunch of large businesses, public and private that use MJ as a acronym for marijuana. Um, and we knew that having access to that and acquiring that domain would, that brand would be very well received. Right. So we have other recreational brands with the word pot in it or weed or something like that. But those have a negative connotation. Right. So we knew that by polling all the professionals in the industry. So whether it's a doctor, whether it's a business owner, they love the term MJ. Right. So they love that. They don't like pot. They don't like weed as much because it has that negative stoner connotation, if you will. And they want to make this a legit business that gets federally legalized and becomes, like you said, the next gold gold rush, you know, almost like, you know, alcohol back in the day. So we have taken that domain. And over the last you know, year, we developed different facets of what's going to be on the site. We've tried different things just to see how people would react to the brand. And now, finally, in 2020, um, we were able to release our MJ Medical. So basically, if you, and I know I'm talking, talking out of school for vacation rentals here, but basically, if you um, want to get your medical marijuana card in one of the 33 medically legal states, you come to MJ, we hook you up with a doctor, um, a dispensary and or delivery company in our network to get you the product you need for your health and wellness needs. We are not concentrating on the stoner community. It's not about getting high. We're trying to do it from a more medical and professional point of view on MJ.com. Um, in August of 2020, we're releasing our delivery platform, which is going to have start with 80 distribution hubs in California. And then we're going Michigan, Colorado, Florida, I think in the next three states after that. We'll be in all 33 medically legal and or rec states by the end of the year. And it's just really an opportunity. We've had some incredible offers to acquire us already. And it's just something for me, you know, the other things we were talking about, the other businesses, whether it was Wall Street making seven figures, whether it was building company, making good money, the vacation rental, good money. Now I'm trying to take a shot at like ridiculous money and we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? Whether I make a few million dollars or tens of millions of dollars, who the heck knows? It's still fun and it'll still be a win. If I make zero, it's still a win. I had a great time. You know what I mean? And I learned something new and it just really got me in tune with how many people I can reach online. So that's kind of why I exited some of that other stuff when this opportunity presented itself and I was able to think at a larger level and take a shot at something that could be national or global. And uh, you guys probably see on social media the type of celebrity slash business owner slash success people that I um, now have access to um, is pretty damn impressive. And uh, be paid. I don't know when this will get released, but uh, this fall you're going to see some pretty cool stuff announced from us. Mm, that's awesome. Nice. And and just to overstress what I already said, to me, it's evident, as Len was talking, that the same octopus kind of business model that went into vacation rentals is into this business, right? So he does, you're doing the same exact thing, right? It's a vertically integrated business. So people can come in into MJ.com, regardless that there are doctor, delivery people, dispensary uh, patients, and they never have to leave MJ. And then they'll find the trusting thing of MJ. So then you're creating just building the house, creating recurrent income from it, and then just keeping people in different rooms of the house and they're all paying rent, let, let's say, to just keep it as a SDR kind of analogy. And then the house is going to get bigger and there's going to be more rooms for it and just more people and then people are never going to leave. That is correct. So we've spent the first six months of this year gain, um 
gaining traction and gaining uh, volume to our site to get that brand out there. You know, before this year, MJ wasn't even known. You know, when you thought MJ, you thought Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? <laughs> now we're making that a brand. We have trademarks already in place. We're making that a brand within the cannabis space. So over the first six months, we've had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people hit our website. Now, as we release these features, I just talked over the second half of the year. Now I want to keep them in the web and then get to utilize those consumers to have multiple revenue streams from each one, almost mirroring what I described earlier with the real estate businesses I built. So once again, it's the same thing, just a different consumer base. That's all. Yeah. Love it. I want to be respectful of your time here. We're getting close to the top of our time, but the one question we like to ask all of our guests And I think this will be great coming from you because you've been in the business for so long is what is your, what would be your number one secret for success in short term of vacation rentals? Yep. It's a combination. It has to be a 12 month destination and, and it doesn't have to be okay. I'm, I'm talking about to maximize what I've seen, right? So as opposed to a seasonal Jersey shore rental, let's say where you get your eight weeks and that's it. Basically. Um, I like a 12 month destination. It has to be a drive to destination. So it's not just something that people fly in. Uh, You need to have week-long stays. So that's why I don't like the Airbnbs in cities so much because those are mostly weekend stays. Nobody comes during a week. Um, So 12-month stay, drive to, week-long stays. And when you acquire a property, make sure that you have the amenities people want. Number one, a pool, private pool. Even if there's a community pool, they want a private pool. And each bedroom needs to have its own bathroom so you have that privacy factor in case an extended family or multiple families stay in the house at one time if it's big enough. Um, those, are the, those are the top three or four things that I think you need to maximize a true vacation rental. Love it. Len G and Cola, thank you for coming on, man. I always love talking. I always get so much out of it. So thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And where can I, folks find you before we jump off? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a name, but I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram um, as well. And then, uh, or you can just follow some of our businesses. You know, I, I don't know. They're, they're all over there. Go to MJ.com. You can see some stuff if, you want, if you're into that. Um, otherwise, that's really it. I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not personally out there as much as I am the business out there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is what awesome. matters. Like Mike t- tells that to people all the time. If you're using social to be social and you have a business, you're not using social, right? Correct. Right? So thanks, Len. Thanks, guys, so much. Grazie, grazie. Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.